0: Yeah, welcome to Simply Bitcoin Live. Your number one source for the peaceful Bitcoin revolution of the code breaking news, culture, manic warfare. We will be your guide through the separation of money and state. Anyways, I was talking to Opti over the weekend, and I like it was obvious to us, but now we're making it. I guess we're we're advertising it more. We're telling people um, Simply Bitcoin Live specifically is for everybody. You know, we try to make this show as inclusive as humanly possible. We try to bring Bitcoiners from all walks of life on the show. We've had people from Nigeria, we've had people from Venezuela, we've had people from Brazil. If you're interested in coming on Simply Bitcoin, our DMs are open. Just shoot us a DM and we'll bring you on the show. That's what Simply Bitcoin is all about. This isn't about just, you know, it isn't about a a a certain group of people. This this is this revolution is about everybody. So uh, shoot us a DM if you're interested in coming on Simply Bitcoin, and we'll get you booked. Anyways, that being said, very interesting news today. Gary Gensler, um, and it's interesting because I was talking to Ra- Rustin, who's dropping hot fire. Uh, check out Simply Bitcoin clips on our YouTube channel. And we were talking earlier on the show, and Opti was there as well, and I was like. Is Gary Gensler secretly a Bitcoiner? Anyways, huge news. He admits that Bitcoin is different. Bitcoin is unique. On an op-ed, or I don't know if you'd call that an article on New York Mag, also seems to be getting a lot of fire uh, for not shutting down a, a lot of these a, a lot of these fraudulent exchanges earlier. But I would like to say that you know I think it's I think people mis- underestimate. How much of this is out of the hands of these regulators that had tremendous amount of power before when governments had total control of the financial system now and as we reported on Friday's episode what happens if you overregulate in a specific country that company will just go anywhere right uh you know Bitcoin and and, and crypto and shit coins like they live in cyberspace they don't stick to a certain jurisdiction. So what happens is that these companies just migrate, right? The US, you know, has increased, you know, the regulation towards the industry because of the FTX fallout. Hong Kong is like, "Hey, come here. Come, business over here." You know, and you have other countries and and, and nation states and cities also doing the same. And then not to mention the fact that FTX wasn't even registered in the United, the United States. They had like a, a like a, a US branch similar to what Binance does, Binance US, right? But the company was incorporated in the Bahamas, right? So, you know, again, like I think people gave Genzer a lot of crap. And I think that in some of it was justified because maybe he should have stepped in. Maybe there should have been more regulations. I don't know enough to, to, you know, to have judgment on that. But, you know, it's interesting to hear his language because it almost sounds as if he's a Bitcoiner. And when you have the head of the SEC basically saying that Bitcoin is unique and that everything else is basically a company, you know, a security, you know, that's a big deal. That's a very, very big deal. Um, So we're going to get into all that. It's going to be a great show. I'm really excited to talk about the culture as well. I'm going to bring up my awesome co-host. Always optimistic. How you doing, Opti?
1: What's up, guys? What's up, Nico? Uh, you know, obviously, I'm excited for Nico Jones to go crazy on the news. But to be honest, today, I'm pretty hyped for the culture. Our guest today, I, I caught you on the We Are Bullish with BTC Sessions. And he just dropped absolute flames. And we got tagged to bring him on today. So I am almost positive the culture is going to be absolute fire today. So let's bring in our guest, and then uh, we'll get the show on the road, Nico absolutely
0: how you doing cj welcome to the show happy to have oh, you guys here.
1: thanks
2: for having me
0: happy to have you on the show man it's gonna be a lot of fun all right everybody let's start this let's do it let's start another week of simply bitcoin live the bitcoin numbers Brought to you by Noddle. At this point, you should be running your own Bitcoin node. If you don't use your own Bitcoin node, you're trusting someone else's. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core, the Lightning Network, Whirlpool, and Dojo, all from the comfort of your own home. And if you're a digital nomad, you have absolutely no excuse because now you can run a Noddle through a virtual private server. Visit Noddle.eu today. All right, everybody. Bitcoin 2023 is coming up in Miami Beach florida it's going to be the biggest bitcoin conference celebration on planet earth you definitely don't want to miss it may 18th through the 20th 2023 of course opti and i are going to be there hope to have some beers and hang out with a lot of you guys in the flat, in the flesh you can use the promo code simply to get a major discount to your bitcoin 2023 tickets let's check out some of the speaker lists because it'll be going to be crazy of course we have lynn olden matt odell stacy herbert alex gladstein jack mauler's uh, Michael Saylor, Arthur Hayes, and the author of The Big Short, Moneyball and the Blind Side. I'm sure that a lot of you guys have seen those movies, Michael Lewis. So you definitely don't want to miss this. It's going to be epic and hope to see a lot of guys in Miami promo simply. Anyways, price at the time of recording is 23,295 sats per dollar, 4,294 block height, 770,536 reachable Bitcoin notes. 16,287 blocks of the halving, 61,464 having estimate April 22nd, 2024 total lightning network capacity, 5,412 Bitcoin around 126 million us dollars. And the realized monetary inflation is 1.76% continuing to take fiat currencies to absolute school and the market capitalization of Bitcoin $449 billion dollars with a b in the grand scheme of things bitcoin is still a tiny baby anyways everybody i have a video for you guys of warren davidson warren davidson is a congressman and he had some thoughts about this bill that was introduced in congress against cbdcs and he went on fox business and he's fighting the good fight which is you know it's 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 literally a it's It's nice to see that. It's nice to see that. Cause I feel like a lot of the time we just feel isolated and you know, I, again, I hate putting trust in a politician. Number one, I got to say that, but I think that during this transition, it's probably a good idea to have some of these politicians on your side. And at least some of them are speaking or thinking the things that we're thinking about how catastrophic a CBDC would be. Anyways, let's check out this clip from Ward Davidson on Fox Business. Uh,
1: You've been actually dubbed a crypto congressman. And so I think to get your take, uh, Representative, on the Bank of International Settlement saying, hey, the battle is over, crypto lost, and that's it.
0: Well, look, I, I think your previous guest uh, highlighted it. Is it really a war between crypto and fiat? Not currently, uh, but there are people like August Karstens, Augustin Karstens, who uh, are making it that way. And frankly, uh, the Bank of International Settlement, which is the central bank for the central bankers, they're trying to put out a set of standards that normalizes central bank digital currencies and not just any version of them, the creepy surveillance state kind that China has. And
2: so right. if we follow this guy's vision for the future of money, I mean, it's frankly, it's pretty
1: dystopian.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, he's saying the quiet part out loud. I think, you know, I think we all, uh, I think we all agree on that. I think it's, it's, it's common sense. Um, but I'm glad that it's being talked about and yeah, it is dystopian. I don't trust Augustine. No one knows how to pronounce his name. I think his name is in Spanish Agustin, um, which is, you know, a fitting name, I guess. Um, anyways, uh, I don't know. Opti, what are your thoughts on this, bro? Like, it it's 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 nice to hear that it's only it's not only bitcoin twitter saying that these cbdcs are going to be dystopian what are your thoughts bro
1: yeah man i mean i say it all the time it's like the bitcoin signal keeps spreading and the Bitcoin uh, narrative, Bitcoin message is definitely reaching the mainstream now. And so I think it's awesome. I, I say it all the time and I stole it from BitScene and it's our meme world and everyone else is living in it. And it's only a matter of time until everyone wakes up to what we know to be uh, the truth of the true nature of reality, which is Bitcoin is a superior way to store your value to way you know censorship resistant and the powers that be do not want you to have this freedom money and hence why they're pushing cbdc's because it's always been about control and it will always be about control they want to control everything about you and so this is why we show up every single day and you know do our best to educate entertain people and tell them what is actually going on they want to control everything about you this is why we save in
0: bitcoin yeah, 100%. What are your, what's your take on this, CJ? I'm, I'm always excited when the guests... Wh- what is your take? What is your take on CBDCs and uh, this this congressman?
2: Yeah, so it's really good to see a congressman actually speaking like they actually know something. You know, it's, it's a relief to see that they're at least saying some of the right things. But, you know, I want to bring it back to stablecoins because I think one of the biggest scams in all of crypto... Uh, are the current setup for stablecoins because what really happens is uh, it's just like a, a regular bank In a regular bank, you go and you deposit your money. And then in the background, the bank doesn't like keep your money in the vault and protect it. It becomes an asset on their balance sheet. And once it's an asset on their balance sheet, they can do whatever they want with it. And what the politicians have done is they've made laws where they've created cash equivalents. So cash equivalents on our balance sheet are treated just like cash, according to gap principles. So these banks, they take your dollars and then they turn them into cash equivalents like a treasury note, whether it's a bill, a bond or a note. Most of the time they're using bills which expire in one year or less because the inflation risk is, is the least since you can hold it to maturity. You know, if they keep raising rates as the rates go up, the principal value goes down. Uh, but if you hold it till maturity, then you don't have to sell it on the open market. So you don't, you don't get take that principal hit. So the banks will take your hard-earned money and write a number on their ledger but in the background they take your hard-earned money and they invest in government debt and the reason that they do that is because they can pay you 0.5 or 1 percent or 2 percent it's been climbing up a little bit but for the last 10 or 12 years it's been 0.1 percent or something and in the background they're collecting the yield from holding that government debt and that same thing is happening in stable coins if you have usdt or usdc what's happening is you're giving them your hard-earned dollars They're turning around and paying you nothing. They're just distributing you the the token, which is a liability to them on their balance sheet to you. You're holding the token in the background. They're holding cash equivalents, which right now are paying upwards of 5%. So they're earning 5% on your savings. So you can just go out in the crypto economy and use your tokens, but you're being massively diluted. So... You, you put out a tweet earlier today about the Bank of England saying, oh, a digital pound is going to be a great opportunity because they're looking at what's going on here in the United States. And they're saying, look, these guys are making 5% for just custodying people's dollars. At least if you go to the bank, they're paying you a little bit or you can put it in a CD, get, get some kind of remuneration for what you have. They're stealing everything from you with these stable coins. You're giving them your reserves. They're taking your reserves, using the law to play a little trick with cash equivalents, collecting the yield and then giving you nothing. And I think that's why Gary thinks it's a security, because just because they're giving you nothing doesn't mean there's not yield going on in the background. Now, that yield is the same scam yield that you see with shitcoins that are selling you yield for when you stake. But really, when you stake, you're just not being diluted. Right. And if you don't stake, then you are being diluted. Well, stable coins are the same thing. You're giving them your currency, but you, there is no opportunity to stake. Only the company can stake and the company keeps it in the cash equivalents takes the cash equivalent cash flow. And that's how they're making almost a billion dollars a quarter because they have all these reserves from all of the people and the people get punished. What else is new? In a fiat scam, people always get punished. Only Bitcoin protects we the people.
1: I bet that,
0: that deserves some horns, Opti. <laughs> Absolutely. This is why we love bringing on guests. You know, I, lo- I love that take, dude. And yeah, and I actually heard, by the way, um it's more than 5%, more like six, seven. Um, so yeah, exactly. it, you know, and, and- actually
2: you know I'll go one more thing because I haven't heard anybody in the industry talk about this. I think the United States central bank, digital currency is going to be a tokenized treasury. And, uh, and I, the reason I think that is because you, everybody knows, right. Even the politicians are saying, we don't want this scam coin. We don't want this coin. That's going to track us and, and control us. So what's the government going to do? They're going to come out and they're going to poke at that narrative. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to work for you. We're the government. We love you guys. We're here to support you. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to make our central bank digital currency not a reserve-backed stablecoin. We're going to make it a tokenized treasury. That way, you can yield too. We need to be careful about this because economic incentives work, right? That's why Bitcoin works, because the economic incentives are so strong. So if they start to use these economic incentives to try to incentivize people to give up a little bit of security, to give up a little bit of a privacy, because you're going to get yield. Man, we need to be careful with what they can do with a central bank digital currency as tokenized treasuries.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. No, it it's definitely a it's it, and and you know what scares me, honestly, CJ, is the fact that they don't talk about the dangers, right? They only they talk about as if it is the is the perfect utopian solution to Money and you know, the, the, what and I always refer to this piece right there's a there's a article, or I don't know what you would call it, a report by the US Treasury. In that report, they mention, um, in that report, they say that they mention stable coins, they mention payment platforms like Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, but they never mention Bitcoin. Right. And I think that the reason that they don't mention is because I don't think that they could acknowledge that a money can exist without inflation in it. Because if they acknowledge that the it's the end to the deficit spending party, it's the end to the endless wars, it's the end to the bloating administrative state. Some people call it the the deep state. Right. Which is the government continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because not only do they collect more tax revenue year on year. Right. They, you know, in the U.S., I think it's like a trillion dollars in deficit spending every single year. You know, they're spending money they don't have. And the way that they're able to get away with that is through uh, the money printing. And I think the CBDC is uh, the last attempt to hold on to that privilege. Like they want to keep it like they don't want to let it go. So like, okay, we got to come up with something. In my belief, I really believe this is the case. I think CBDCs were a complete response to Bitcoin. I don't think that they would be around If it wasn't for Bitcoin, like they're, they're kind of like, you know, that, that meme of like, I'm a kid, like with the, with what's that actor's name, holding the skateboard. He's like, what's up kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what CBDCs are trying to do. Like, Hey, you know, we're cool too. You know, we're digital. We're on the quote unquote blockchain. You can use this. You could trust us. We're awesome. We're going to respect peer to peer. We're going to respect your privacy. It's like, dude, say As
2: as they're lying to us. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I mentioned this on BTC sessions, but I got to hit it again because too many people don't really get it. They are lying to you. If we had inflation with the way that they said that we had inflation, that people are too successful, there's too much demand. What would happen is that the cure for higher prices is higher prices because as prices go up, the producers become more profitable. And as producers become more profitable, they increase the supply. Well, guess what? It's a lot cheaper to produce 50,000 cars than it is to produce 1,000 cars. That's called marginal cost of production. So as you increase the supply, your marginal cost of production goes down. As your marginal cost of production goes down, then the suppliers can actually lower the front-end prices. And what happens as they lower the front-end prices they sell more units. They don't care about the front-end price. They care about how many units they can move. So if we had a strong, healthy economy like they say that we did with too much demand – you wouldn't be fighting against higher prices, you would be cheering them on because the producers would be more profitable, they would create more supply, lower cost of their marginal cost of production, which would lower the front end prices, which would lead to huge amounts of gains in GDP. That would be for
0: the <laughs> Man, I'm putting a soundtrack behind what you're <laughs> saying because it sounds <laughs> fucking epic. <laughs>
2: that would be helping for the economy, right? But they're blaming it on you. It's your fault, It's, it's you're too successful, there's too much demand. Instead of just being honest and saying, hey, the value of the purchasing power of the currency is being diluted because we have a $1.4 trillion deficit and it's on and on and on and on. Plus all the unfunded liabilities, the promises of the money that we're going to spend is over $100 trillion. So they believe in modern monetary theory that the government can just create currency with no consequence. And here's one more thing I'll throw in there. what they're, The other thing they're lying about besides what inflation really is, right, is that they – Uh, I've lost my my train of thought. Just give me one second. The other thing that they are lying about with inflation is that when they create more currency units and they dilute the rest of us, that's the value proposition of Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin can't be diluted. There will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin. So I love that stat you showed in the beginning that said realized inflation rate. Because yeah, with the next halving, Bitcoin's realized inflation rate will be lower than gold, but still there'll be no more than 21 million. They're going to keep creating dollars out the wazoo and they're going to do it over and over and over again. And we are the ones who are paying. The- inflation is taxation without representation. They are taking money directly out of our pockets and just spending it into existence. Now, the last and this this lie is even worse than the first one, because what they're saying is, well, we're going to raise interest rates to fight inflation. Well, wait a second. That doesn't make sense, because the only two entities in the world that can create money are the governments and the banks. And if you look through the lens of those, the incentives of those two actors with higher interest rates and the government is going to issue debt at a higher interest rate, they have to create more currency units. So the higher the interest rate is, the more currency units they have to create to finance the debt. So that creates more inflation, not less. Now, look at through the eyes of the banker. You hear a lot of economists come out and say, well, when rates are higher, people don't want to borrow. Listen, Everybody can go into the bank and say, I want to borrow money. I want to borrow money. It doesn't matter if you want to borrow money. What matters is if the lender wants to lend you the money. That's what really matters. So as interest rates go up, banks are incentivized to extend credit. And you're saying, well, you're wrong, CJ. No, that's why credit is at all-time highs. Credit is at all-time highs because the banks are being incentivized to lend because the interest rate goes up. And as the interest rate goes up, the risk goes down. So they're trying to fight inflation by incentivizing the two parties that can actually create currency units to create more currency units. It's really bad, guys. It's not going to stop. Inflation is going to keep going up. We had a little bit of disinflation, but disinflation is still inflation. It's not deflation. And when this next wave of inflation comes, people are really going to panic because look at Argentina. Look at all these other countries. It doesn't matter how high you bring the interest rate. The higher you bring the interest rate up, the more inflation you create. That's why it doesn't solve the problem.
0: Boom, absolutely, bro. Horns again, Opti, horns. We gotta give him horns. <laughs> Love this guest, man. You're absolutely slaying it. Completely agree with you. All right, guys, let's get to the news. We got a lot to talk about. Let's do it. The Daily News. Brought to you by Blockstream Jade, built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. It's an open source hardware wallet for the cold storage of Bitcoin. Blockstream Jade houses a full color camera, allowing for fully air-gapped Bitcoin transactions. Scan and display QR codes directly on the device, assign transactions, and verify addresses with ease use your blockstream jade with your favorite wallet software such as the blockstream green blue wallet electrum and sparrow get yourself a blockstream jade today and take self-custody of your bitcoin all right right. quick announcement everybody swan ira is live traditional and roth swan clients can create an ira and start contributing in second easy transfers and rollovers simple fees 20 dollars a month or 0.25 annually for 100k plus Real Bitcoin, not an IRU. Try to take a tax advantage with Swan IRA. Anyways, everybody, or take a tax advantage. Anyways, let's check this out. Uh, this was the bombshell article. Sorry, guys. Usually, I don't try to just read. Um, I try to read a little bit and then give my own take. We get Opti's take. But I think that this article was important because you have the head of the SEC, Um, basically admitting to what Bitcoiners believe, right? Is that Bitcoin is unique. Bitcoin is special. Um, So I'm going to read part of it. I'm not going to read all of it, of course, but uh, let's check it out and then we'll talk about it. So the name of the article is in New York mag. It's called, Can Gary Gensler Survive Crypto Winter? DC's Top Financial Cop on Bankman Freed Blowback. Anyways, let's check it out. As recently as a year ago, Sam Bankman-Fried seemed to be an unstoppable force in Washington. The conspicuously disheveled founder and CEO of FTX has positioned himself as a new sort of billionaire and crypto entrepreneur. Someone who promised to do good with his extraordinary wealth, was publicly discussed supporting Democratic political candidates to the tune of a billion dollars in upcoming elections, and who seemed to offer the possibility of legitimizing an industry that that had grown exponentially during the pandemic while operating on the fringes of America's financial regulatory apparatus. We know that Bankman-Fried was in the midst of executing a dual-pronged political and media strategy that looks to have been one of the most ambitious political influence operations in recent memory. He was testifying before Congress about how to regulate crypto markets, and behind closed doors, he was successfully lobbying for a bill that would have enacted a system that was very beneficial to him. Meanwhile, Bankman-Fried was schmoozing While and offering money to a group of self-styled policy professionals and political pundits whose unofficial seal of approval conferred an aura of intellectual seriousness in his project. At the time of his meeting with Gensler, Bankman-Fried was in the process of acquiring a stake in the stock exchange, IEX, and he was joined by a group of FTX and IEX representatives to pitch a new SEC-approved crypto trading platform. They included a top FTX lawyer who had worked with Gensler and who in private had reportedly bragged about his access to Gary. This meeting was coming on the heels of a dinner Bankman Freed arranged with the SEC's incoming general counsel. But things didn't did not go as planned for FTX and IEX crew at the meeting last March. They were evidently seeking agency approval for so-called alternative trading system, a more lightly regulated alternative to national securities exchanges. Genzer and his telling sharply rebuffed the group. So again, like a couple things here. Remember 2008, right? So 2008, you know, great financial crisis. If you are under the age of 35, you could say that it affected you tremendously. You don't own anything. Probably a debt slave, statistically speaking, um, can't afford anything, right? No one was held responsible for that, right? So, and I think that you know, what if Sam didn't blow up? What if CZ didn't call a, you know, start the domino effect and start saying that he was going to sell the FTX token? Token. What if that didn't happen? Well, if what if he entrenched himself more? Into the political apparatus, what what would what would have happened? And I think looking at how banks are treated when they break the law versus how the how you know the average common man is treated, I think says it all. You know, bank gets a sl- gets a fine; they see it as a cost of doing business, and they continue like nothing happened, right? And I think that this is what was happening. And if it wasn't for CZ. Dumping his tokens and starting that domino, um, I don't think the U.S. government would have stepped in, to be honest. Um, And I think that a lot of the hostility that's coming now stems from trying to save a little bit of face. Um, Anyways, it was not the first time that Gensler met with Bankman-Fried or other FTX representatives There was also a previously disclosed session in late 2021, but when we spoke, it was unclear whether there have been any other meetings between the two men, which might raise further questions among the public about Bankman-Fried's access to US regulators. Gensler's calendar for 2022 have not yet fully released, so questions on this front have persisted." So again, like this sounds proof of stake AF, right? And we know, for example, that Brian Armstrong spends a tremendous amount of time in D.C. lobbying regulators as well. And it looks like what Sam was trying to do is he was trying to build a regulatory moat and use a lot of the political donations in order to do that and in order to stifle competition. And I think that this is an embodiment. This is a representation of the fiat system. I always say crypto is fiat times 100. Right. Anyways, it is also eminently reasonable to ask whether the SEC could and should have done more to crack down on the industry before now. It is, after all, comparatively easy to go aggressively after companies or their principals after their businesses have been exposed by the press or competitors as financially unsound. It has embarrassed predominant figures throughout Washington. Whether it will have any implications for Gensler by all accounts, an ambitious player in the Biden administration is still an open question. It all occurred at a precarious time for him. He was already under fire for an ambitious regulatory agenda that had drawn the ear of Wall Street and generated internal frustration among SEC staff and some of the same members in Congress who criticized Gensler last year for investigating the industry too aggressively, including New York Congressman Richie Torres and Minnesota Representative Tom Emmer. By the way, that's the same Tom Emmer that's been relatively pro-Bitcoin as well. Gensler began, and that's the same Tom Emmer, if my memory serves me mistake, uh, correctly, that introduced the anti-CBDC bill. Uh, Genzer began his career in government service at Treasury in the late 1990s after nearly two decades at Goldman Sachs, right, the revolving door of D.C. And there have been slight rumblings which have made their way into the financial press that Genzer might be interested in leading the department if Yellen decides to leave at some point in the coming years, particularly if Biden is reelected. Really interesting. From the vantage point today, it is clear that Bankman fried was very close to building what what has been fairly described as a regulatory emote around FTX, locking in a role for himself and his company at the top of the crypto industry. The legislation that he that he backed called the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act would have given the Commodity Futures Trading Commission authority to regulate certain crypto projects, specifically Bitcoin, Ether, and other vaguely identified digital commodities and displaced the SEC's jurisdiction in the area. It was an ambitious but straightforward strategy of domestic regulatory arbitrage that would have effectively allowed the company to pick its own regulator in the U.S. Fairly or not, the CFTC is generally regarded as a more playant and less assertive financial regulator than the SEC. Quote, I love the SEC, said Gensler, who ran the agency during the Obama administration as we touched on these uncomfortable facts implicating some of his former colleagues. Quote, you're not going to get me to say anything negative about the the CFTC added. He's just too, it's in my blood. So, I mean, what could you, you can make a very strong assumption there. Anyways, goes on to say uh, the new Congress is looking again at crypto specific legislation. But Genzer believes that the SEC has all the legal tools that it needs. Over the course of our discussion, he articulated a straightforward view of the agency's reach that pretty much every sort of crypto transaction already falls under the SEC's jurisdiction except spot transactions in Bitcoin itself and the actual purchase or sale of goods or services with cryptocurrencies." Everything falls under the SEC's jurisdiction except spot coin transactions. Very interesting. Everything other than Bitcoin, Gensler said. You can find a website. You can find a group of entrepreneurs. They might set up their legal entities in a tax haven offshore. They might have a foundation, (coughs) Ethereum. They might lawyer it up to try arbitrage and make it harder jurisdictionally or so forth. Quote, Bitcoin, because of its unique history and creation story, is fundamentally different from other crypto projects in this respect. Quote, they might drop their tokens overseas at first and contend or pretend that it's going to take six months before they come back to the, he continued. But at the core, he argued, these tokens are securities because there's a group in the middle and the public is anticipating profits based on that group. The claim that crypto investors are hoping to profit based on the efforts of those intermediaries Is in much the same way that stockholders and public companies hope to see their investors appreciate over time is central to Gensler's position that as legal matter, there are actually transactions in securities that fall within the SEC's jurisdiction. As a matter of securities law, Gensler's view is not that hard to understand, though. It is still being tested in the courts. The agency racked up a significant win last November. But there are other pending legal proceedings that are eagerly awaited by industry observers. And there's a well-resourced crypto lobby that is not likely to back down anytime soon. So a lot to, a lot to talk about there. But I think the part that really stuck with me is that the person that could potentially become the next U.S. secretary, um, replacing Janet Yellen specifically, if Joe Biden is reelected, believes that Bitcoin is not a security believes that cryptos are securities, and his logic for that is very sound. It's what Bitcoiners have been screaming from the rooftops from for a very long time. Now, is this going to stop crypto? Absolutely not. Uh, it's just going to move overseas. Um, but is it going to stop crypto businesses from operating smoothly in the U.S.? 100%. Now, do I believe that he's going to have the capacity to see it this way? I don't think so. I think that he's dealing with the behemoth that is Coinbase. I think Coinbase is a a public company and they're going to try to protect their business, right? And if these tokens are labeled as securities, it is going to hurt their business. So they're going to try to fight this tooth and nail. They decided to double down on the shitcoinery, right? There's other Bitcoin companies that I believe are going to prove that you can have a Bitcoin-only exchange and be a public company. I believe that's humanly possible. And they're going to prove that, I believe, right? But Coinbase said no. Coinbase said no. We have to build a business around shitcoin casino. And now they have to double down on the fact, they have to protect their position that selling these shitcoins is good, right? And look, if people, I'm a free market maxi, I'm a libertarian at heart. If people want to spend their hard earned money on Dogecoin because they fucking see fit, I don't think it's the government's place to fucking get to dictate that. Um, I think that Bitcoin is gonna win in the open market. But at the same time, I think it would be a disservice not to bring up the fact that someone as powerful as Gensler feels a certain way about Bitcoin and he feels a certain way about crypto. And that he clearly sees the differences between the two he mentioned it in his own words there he mentioned the virgin birth he mentioned the unique creation of bitcoin remember when bitcoin was created right there was no value proposition right so when satoshi created bitcoin he had no idea that it was going to have value it was an experiment right so it, it created this like you know what we call the virgin birth right every other crypto project that was born after the fact The founders knew in the back of their mind that that could have value. Therefore, they can dump it on other people. And then comes the misalignment of incentives, not to mention the fact that Bitcoin is not controlled by anyone. Satoshi disappeared. Some people think he died, right? I have no idea, right? But Satoshi is not in the picture, right? So Bitcoin has blossomed and it's just grown out of it. The second largest cryptocurrency is controlled by the Ethereum Foundation. Of which Aya Miyaguchi, the lady that was sitting, the lady that's on that foundation, is part of the World Economic Forum, right? And one of the people that were involved in the early Ethereum project were pitching uh, central bank digital currencies on how they could use Ethereum to launch their central bank digital currency. Not to mention the fact, and I don't hear the Ethereum community talking about this very much, after Ethereum migrated to proof of stake, right? Right. A majority of the validators are actively censoring for the Office of Foreign Asset Control, which is a part of the US Treasury. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. So, And I I, I, I never forget Guy Swan's quote, and I think it's so fitting here, right? Shitcoiners are more concerned about getting a Lambo in the garage than the peaceful revolution. I think that's really the case here, right? The misalignment of incentives, crypto is fiat times of 100. And it's very interesting to see someone of this profile, right, of this high up in government to come to the same conclusions that Bitcoiners are coming to. Not to mention the fact that there is a big, I mean, there is, I don't know if it's a big one, but there is a possibility that he becomes the next U.S. uh, Treasury Secretary. And that would be absolutely bonkers, right? Because then at at that point, you know, you would have potentially a Bitcoiner in that position of power. Which is interesting. And, you know, Russ and I were talking about this earlier. A lot of the things in this article, like I'm going to read you this last part, most of these tokens will fail because the question is about these economics. What's the, what's there, there? So again, and then he goes on to say that, you know, historically speaking, History tells us throughout, through antiquity to now, that economics coalesce around one monetary unit, he said. There is a network effect to having one unit that we humans accept as a medium of exchange and unit of account, a store of value, one unit. The two things governments do since Genghis Khan, he observed, is basically say that this is what's accepted for your taxes and it's accepted for all debts, public and private. Like, it's very opaque there, like, you know, and then the 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 aspect, I think the strong word right here is there's a network effect of having one unit that we humans accept as a medium of exchange and unit of account, a store of value. I mean, you could make the argument that Bitcoin is a store of value. You can make the argument that fiat is definitely not a store of value. So there's a lot of things in this article that make you question what his actual beliefs are, you know? Um Anyways, really interesting, really fascinating. If you got if you guys want to read the whole thing, I'll put it in the link description. I really recommend that you do so. Anyways, Opti, what's your take?
1: Well, first on the FTX news, um, we've said it for a while. Like that's the standard playbook of the regulatory mo, And now it's being exposed, you know, for everyone to see. And this is why as Bitcoiners, we tell you guys, you know, as Bitcoin maxis, we tell you guys to hold Bitcoin only because uh, we the playbook's been exposed for years. And yet people still completely ignore the playbook that is happening out here. And then on the, you know, the Gensler news, I don't champion Gensler or, uh, you know, governments dictate. Uh, what people can and can't buy but you know it is just uh, very interesting that us Bitcoiners have been saying this for a long time and uh, you know Gensler did have that MIT course at blockchain so in my opinion he obviously knows uh, about Bitcoin he knows it very well in my opinion and maybe he knows that he can't control Bitcoin so he's obviously being very intentional with his words uh, but at least he's saying what we've been saying forever, like there's Bitcoin and there's shit coins. And I just wouldn't want to be holding anything other than Bitcoin right now because it is becoming very obvious, at least to us here that follow the news, that there is a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. And if you're holding anything other than Bitcoin, uh, you might get rug pulled by the U.S. government right now. So, like, just, you know, stay humble, stack sats, take your Bitcoin into self-custody because things are starting to get very hairy right now in the then they st- They fight you stage like we're in the first innings and we've yet to see where this is going to end up. But hey, I think Gensler knows what what's going on. I think he understands Bitcoin very well. And again, I just wouldn't want to hold anything other than Bitcoin, guys. So if you are still holding shit coins, uh, you better reevaluate your situation
0: right now. 100 percent 100 percent but you know it has me divided it has me divided because it's like at one the there's the you know there's a part of me that's like you could say the status part of me you could you could spice it up like that the status part of me is like yeah regulate these coins out of existence but you know my my rational mind is like nah nico like let bitcoin win on the open market it will win on the open market let the let the free market do its thing you know so but it's really interesting anyways guys i have to run opti it's your show
1: Wait, 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 we're getting CJ's. CJ's, what's your take on this?
2: Yeah, so I got news for everybody. A lot of stocks out there are shit coins too, all right? I mean, (laughs) just look at all of these companies that have just made no money whatsoever. They might produce a little bit of revenue, but they produce zero profit. And their PE ratios, their price to earnings ratios are through the roof. Uh, And that's because they're shit coins, Uh, So I think it's a little bit from Gary. It's a little bit weird because, you know, I think uh, in the library case, uh, the the judge ruled that the secondary sales of those tokens were not securities. So I think what Gary is really positioning the SEC for is to go to these companies that didn't properly register and to find them. And that's not to say that they're going to be closed down and shut out of existence, I I think they're going to get their slap on the wrist and they're going to have to pay a fine in order to continue on. And uh, you have to be careful for that because whether it's a shitcoin in the crypto economy or a shitcoin in the traditional stock market, uh, there's a plethora of them out there. Where he really hits the nail on the head comes down to the shirt I'm wearing right here. Proof of work equals cost of production equals natural asset value. And Bitcoin is a commodity. And like any other commodity... There has to be a business decision that's made around that commodity based on production and consumption, right? Because if it, if it costs you $20,000 to produce a car and you can turn around and sell it for twenty five dollars or $30,000, that's great. But if it costs you $40,000 to produce a car, you can't sell it for twenty five dollars or $30,000. This is just basic business 101. Well, Bitcoin being a commodity fits right into that. You know, uh, shit coins. Uh, both stocks and and, uh, Dogecoins and all those other things, they don't have this kind of business process that we see in traditional asset classes like Bitcoin as a commodity. It costs, you know, I'm a miner. Right now, it costs me around $18,000 to produce a Bitcoin. And I'm, you know, I'm a smaller miner and I pay a higher cost per kilowatt hour. So I I think some of the bigger boys are paying around 14, 15 to produce a Bitcoin. But the point is, is that there's a cost of production and that cost of production is a fair value. That sets a fair value. For the commodity. That's not to say that Bitcoin has to trade at fair value. Absolutely not. There's going to be times that it trades at a discount. There's going to be times it trades at fair value. And there's going to be times that it trades at a premium to that fair value, just like any other commodity in the world. But those natural incentives in Bitcoin, coupled with that free market Genesis block, is what makes Bitcoin so much different than anything else. And that proof of work that goes into mining a Bitcoin. None of that work goes into any of these other shit coins. Even Ethereum, the biggest mistake they did was go from proof of work to proof of stake. 60% simply mentioned it. 60% of the blocks on Ethereum are now OFAC compliant. That's not decentralized. Bitcoin is the only decentralized network in the world. By the way, the network, I call it a quantum computer because there is no one nation state or even team of nation states that can produce enough hash rate to attack the Bitcoin computer, the Bitcoin network. And what is that? That's a quantum computer. A quantum computer is something that has so much computing power that there's just nothing else that can stand up to it. So we're beyond the point of no return, even if they wanted to get rid of Bitcoin or they changed their mind or they flip the script or something like that. Bitcoin is a commodity. Everybody knows it. What, the one good thing that can come from this is that perhaps we get rid of this capital gains tax because capital gains is really hurting the monetary velocity of Bitcoin. Bitcoin will be able to more easily exchange hands when you don't have to pay capital gains when you sell it. So maybe that could be the one benefit that comes from this. Um, Again, the shitcoin things, it's definitely a benefit. But what about all the shitcoins in the stock market too? You can go buy pink sheets. You can buy all, look at all the companies that were trading at PE ratios of 40 and 50. And now they're down 70, 80, 90%. They're down worse than some of the shitcoins. So, you know, we have to be careful about what we call a shitcoin and what we call uh, anything else that's not a shitcoin. But to me, all of the stocks unless they're like a dividend yielding stock are shitcoins, especially when the risk free rate is above the risk rate, right? Treasuries are at 5% right now for a six month. And what's the dividend paying on some of these best dividend yielding stocks? We're, we're getting to the point where the risk free rate is gonna soon be higher than the risk rate. And the shitcoinery that's going on in the traditional stock market is gonna be just as evident as it is in the crypto shitcoin market. But Bitcoin, Is immune from that because there's a whole different economic principle and incentive structure behind it it's not based on the performance of the company it's based on the producer economics the proof of work the cost of production setting the natural asset value protecting our time and energy creating a fair value price and then us as bitcoiners making the right decisions of when to use that bitcoin spend that bitcoin obviously if bitcoin is at fair value or a discount just wait wait till it goes to a premium and when it goes to a premium Buy your family home, buy your car, take advantage of what Bitcoin is doing for you by storing your time and energy properly through time and space.
1: Man, uh, I I just have the meme in my head. Just let CJ cook right now. Just let CJ cook. So we're going to jump in the culture and I'm literally just going to tee you up so that you can rant. The
0: Daily Culture.
1: all right let's go all right so cj uh i listened to this we are bullish with uh, btc sessions and this is where this whole uh conversation is going to start from because people tagged us to like yo we need this pure optimism on simply bitcoin and you kind of told me some things that you'd like to talk about i have some questions over here we are on a little limited time span but I'm going to just tee you up so that you can go in and give the, our audience just the pure signal. So the first one, I think, is uh, this idea that you said on session show that Bitcoin is more than digital gold. It's digital collateral. And I absolutely love this because when you when you kind of painted the illustration of what's going on, the, the traditional financial world is just debt on top of debt on top of a derivative debt. It's just like one giant Ponzi scheme all the way down on debt. And like as a Bitcoiner, I fully can see this, but I, it's very interesting that most people are just completely mind blind to what is actually going on in the world and what our financial system really is. So, tee you up, bro. Rant. Let the people hear it.
2: Yeah. So the the number one problem in the traditional system, especially right now, is that. You know, I don't know if it's malicious or if it's just incompetence. We talked about the inflation issue before, right? They're raising interest rates to fight inflation, but it actually does the opposite. Well, when they raise interest rates, they lower the principal value of the bond bill or the note. So the treasury debt, the government debt that is backing the entire system, it's banking your bank deposits, your mortgage, your car loan. I mean, it is literally backing everything. And these people, they think they have to raise the interest rates to fight inflation. But what happens is when they raise the interest rates, they're artificially diluting the principal value of the backbone collateral of the entire system. So, I mean, you can imagine uh, if you borrow against your Bitcoin and Bitcoin's worth 100000 and you can borrow up to 70% of it, so you borrow $70,000 and the price of Bitcoin starts to go down. You start to get worried because you know if it goes down 30%, you're going to get a margin call. You're going to get liquidated. They're going to take your collateral so that they don't lose money on the loan. Well, the same thing is happening in the traditional system, except it's not Bitcoin that's the collateral. It's the treasury debt that's the collateral. And as they raise the interest rates, they're artificially lowering the principal value of the collateral. So they are destroying the system from within. They're destroying the backing and the the foundation of the traditional system from within. And and again, I don't know if it's maliciousness or if it's incompetence, but it just doesn't work because it's debt based. Bitcoin is equity based. Bitcoin is proof of yesterday's hard work. Debt is proof of tomorrow's promise. Well, promises aren't good for shit when shit hits the fan. So we need to go back to an equity based system. And that's what Bitcoin is doing right now. It's transforming. When I first started in Bitcoin in 2014, it was it was called digital gold. And that's kind of where my journey started. Then we had the halving and I got into mining, all of that stuff. But I thought of it as digital gold. But what I've seen happening now is that Bitcoin is transforming from digital gold to digital collateral. And that's a big deal because the gold market, the store value market is a $12 trillion market, which is a huge market. But Bitcoin collateral, the collateral market, is a multi-hundred trillion dollar market. So we're no longer talking about just 12000000000000 trillion. We're talking about... Multi hundred trillion dollar market that backs the entire system. That is the foundational cornerstone of the entire system. Now, what's great about Bitcoin becoming this collateral is that it's the backbone to the system in the internet economy. And the internet economy is an aggregate economy of the entire world China, Russia, the Silk Road, European Union. It doesn't matter what country you are, what area you are, who you come, who you team up with. No one country or team can outcompete the Internet economy because it's an aggregate economy of all the peoples. And what happens is in the traditional economy, you have a group of men, the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, determining the price of money. Now, look, I said this on BTC Sessions, but it's worth saying it again. If those people can't tell us the price of milk or the price of eggs or the price of bacon, and our response to that is, hey, let the free market decide what the price of milk, eggs and bacon is. Why the hell are these people allowed to tell us the price of money? What's the difference between the price of milk and the price of money? Interest rates are the price of money. And we're allowing men to dictate to us the price of money. And that is the the fundamental flaw in the traditional system. And they don't even know that they're stabbing themselves in the back by raising the interest rates and devaluing the collateral. So they're they're, they're supposed to be fighting inflation to make the system more secure. But in actuality, they're increasing the amount of risk. They're increasing the amount of leverage because they're devaluing the collateral that backs everything. Now, in the Internet economy, we have free market interest rates. It's the only economy in the world that has free market interest rates. In every other economy, in traditional markets, they think they're smart enough to tell us what the price of money is. But in the Internet economy, look, when the supply of money is high and the demand for loans is low, interest rates go down. When the supply of money is low and the demand for loans is high, interest rates go up. It's a free market price equilibrium. And that is what makes Bitcoin a better collateral. There are other things like fast and easy settlement, right? Like Bitcoin versus gold. You don't have to fly Bitcoin across the world. You can settle it in 10 minutes. It's not going to be a big deal. It's cheap. It's easy. It's secure. Gold is not. So Bitcoin can do what gold could never do which has become the collateral of the system. And we're seeing it happen in the internet economy while the traditional economy self-implodes itself. And that free market interest rate is so powerful because free market always wins. There's no centrally planned market that ever lasted, that ever survived. That's why all fiat's go to zero. All fiat's fail. Shit. Even when Rome had gold and silver, it failed because they they, they, they diluted the gold and silver. So even if you're using a hard money, it's not going to work. You need something that is so secure that can never be diluted no matter what. And that's going to be a successful backbone, foundational cornerstone to a successful economy that delivers value to we, the people, rather than extracting the value. Because as they raise those rates, most people, it's, it's the same thing with the banks, right? Oh, interest rates go up so people don't want to borrow. No, it's through the eyes of the lender. Same thing in the free market internet economy. When interest rates go up, savers are going to make more money. And guess what? When savers make enough money, they eventually become spenders. And when savers become spenders, that's how you stimulate an economy. That's how you grow an economy. That's how you increase demand without printing a bunch of money. You empower the savers. The fiat system exploits the savers. It takes our purchasing power from us. It takes everything from us. It's designed to extract value from us. Bitcoin is designed to protect and secure our value. Deliver it back to us so that we can spend it into the economy so that the the economy grows in a right and healthy, sustainable manner. And people are not talking about it in this industry. I don't understand why this point is so overlooked. Yeah, digital gold. We know that. It's, It's locked in. Nothing can take Bitcoin. Nothing can compete with Bitcoin. If someone says something is competing with Bitcoin, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop listening to those people. Bitcoin is the only thing that can ever be the reserve asset of the Internet economy. Nothing can compete with it. Now, how do we unlock Bitcoin from becoming an idle asset like digital gold to being digital collateral? Well, it's going to take companies like Swan. It might be a couple other protocols that are built on top of Bitcoin through different layers. But eventually, Bitcoin is going to be unlocked and it will transform. It will evolve from digital gold to digital collateral. And when it does that, the fair value isn't just going to be based on the cost of production and the natural asset value. Now it's gonna be based on the cash flows that are unlocked by making it collateral. Lightning is a really good example because lightning is about monetary velocity. Lightning is about allowing people to use Bitcoin to make those peer-to-peer transactions in a way that the, the L1 can't really do right now because it can't facilitate that amount of transactions. So what do we do? We take Bitcoin, we collateralize it in a lightning channel, and then we use that value. We unlock that collateral value to make changes between people. And what? guess what? If you run a lightning channel, you can make money because you charge a little bit of a fee. That unlocks Bitcoin. That makes Bitcoin a yield-producing asset. And like I mentioned before, this is not shitcoin yield, okay? Like if you have like DOT or just take your pick, any shitcoin, where they tell you that you're making yield, you're earning yield. You are not earning yield because to earn yield, you got to remember that word, earn, right? If you're just printing coins, that's fiat scam. That's fiat shitcoin. They're just printing coins and and handing them out. That's not earned. Earned yield is something where you're delivering a product or a service and that demand for that product or service has a foundational demand layer, just like lightning where people want to make P2P changes and they're willing to pay a little bit of a fee to do that. That's sustainable earned yield. And as Bitcoin transforms from digital gold to digital collateral, it will start to produce sustainable earned yield. And when it produces cash flow, now you're talking about the fair value, not just being based on cost of production and proof of work, but also being based on the additional equity that's produced. It's no longer an idle asset. It's a cash flow producing asset. So if you think $20,000 is expensive for a Bitcoin, just based on the proof of work, natural asset value, you're wrong. It's not. But when we go from digital gold to digital collateral and the cash flow element comes into play, watch out.
1: (sighs) Man, just killing it, just killing it, Uh, guys. I think I'm gonna do a curveball today. I know you guys love the memes, but I wanna, I wanna let CJ cook a little bit right here, guys. So I'll come heavy tomorrow with the memes for you guys, and I'll I'll shout out our sponsors at the end of the show that that I would have played in the in the segment. But I have one more question, and this is something that that I really enjoyed when you were on sessions. And it's this idea that we are at the end of the dollar's currency life cycle. But the real, we as Bitcoiners, we say this all the time, but I really loved uh, your, your receipts. Like, how do we know this? And I loved how you laid this out. So drop this for the people after you've already been cooking.
2: That's right, baby. Here comes dessert, everybody. Okay, look. When I started in 2016, well, I started 2014, but I started having the confidence to tell other people aggressively in 2016. And I, I would start by talking about inflation. They would look at me sideways. They would look at me and be like, what are you talking about, man? This is like, I'm not, I'm not really interested. Thank you. But no, thank you. Right now here today, the reason we know that we're at the end of the currency life cycle, that the purchasing power has been pushed to the fullest extent is that we have inflation. Inflation is the signal. That's what people need to get. They're like, well, what do we look for? What do we, what's going to happen? What kind of sign is there? Inflation. Inflation is the sign. Inflation is the sign that the currency is at the end of its life cycle, especially when the central bank has to start fighting inflation. So by their own admission, by having to fight inflation, they are now telling us we are at the end of the currency life cycle. And, and you know, a lot of people don't really understand this, but the difference between inflation and hyperinflation is trust. Trust is the only difference between inflation and hyperinflation. Look, they have already printed enough money to hyperinflate the dollar. The dollar, if you even on the Federal Reserve's own education website, the FRED, you see the purchasing power of the dollar. It's all the way down below two cents. They have already diluted the currency to the fullest extent. So why haven't we gone into hyperinflation? Well, the answer to that question is that people still trust them. See, now that we're having uncontrollable inflation that needs to be fought by the Federal Reserve. And by the way, like we said, they're fighting it the wrong way. They're only making it worse. That's how we really know this is going to get worse. The yields are going to keep going up. The principal value of the collateral is going to keep going down until they realize, oh, shit, we need to deliver that value back. We need to lower these rates and we need to provide more liquidity, which is going to cast us to the next level of inflation. And that's when I think people are going to lose trust. I think people are going to lose trust when they realize, wait a second. I'm making more money, but I'm buying less stuff. And that's what I've been hearing from people. People are willing to listen and are open to hearing about inflation. Some of them even know about it. I'm like, hey, you you know what inflation is? They're like, oh, yeah, I know what inflation is. I know what you're talking about. Well, that's a much different thing than in 2016 when people are like, dude, leave me alone. I'm not interested in inflation. Okay, right now they know what it is because they're making more money. They're buying less stuff. The government is fighting it. It's in the news. And this is the signal, guys. This is what Bitcoiners have been waiting for. When I first started, someone, Jeff Berwick, the dollar vigilante who taught me about Bitcoin, he said, listen, when this really is going to pick up steam is when people start to realize what inflation is, when they're talking about it in the news, when they're to fight it with the central bank tools that they have. And they're fighting inflation today like they've never had before. This is not the same inflation that we had in the 1970s because we have a much larger debt. So that larger debt, with those larger rates that needs to be rolled over, creates even more currency units. In the 70s, they didn't have that big of a debt. They could rip it up, and then there was a small interest rate burden. Right now, you look at the chart for the interest rate burden. I I actually, I've just retweeted it this morning on my Twitter. The interest rate is at all-time highs, and it will continue to go to all-time highs because the government is going to spend over $1 trillion of budget deficits per year and that's going to add more currency into the system. With the rates higher, the banks are going to create more, they're going to expand credit, which creates more currency and puts it into the system. We're, we're doing all the wrong things to fight inflation. So, inflation is the signal. Inflation is what tells us that we're at the end of the currency life cycle. And the fact that the central bank is fighting inflation really is the cherry on top that lets you know hey, listen, if you're on the sidelines right now and you think Bitcoin at 20K might be a little expensive, I'm going to wait for it to come back down to 16 or. You know, we're going into a recession, so I'm going to buy it at 10. I don't think that's the right decision. I think that you need to be getting your money uh, and your wealth protected by the only asset. Bitcoin is the only asset in the world that was specifically designed to protect your wealth, specifically designed to protect your time and energy. There exists no other financial tool or product in the world that can do what Bitcoin does. So you need to learn these things now. You need to gain the confidence now. By the way, that confidence is important because when price goes up to 250000 and you're going to take profits, be careful. Just make sure you're not buying dollars. Listen, there's nothing wrong with buying a beautiful family home and setting yourself up or buying a car or so you can get around and, and create more fiat mining. But you need to understand, if you don't have Bitcoin, and I don't care what you have, blue chip stocks, bonds, bills, notes, Gold, silver, it doesn't matter what you have, nothing, look, you you don't buy gold and silver to get rich, you buy gold and silver to stay rich. With Bitcoin, it's more than just staying rich, because what we're seeing is the transformation of the asset class, right? Gold and silver are the hardest that they've ever been, and they're only going to get softer. Bitcoin is the softest that it's ever been, and it's only going to get harder, you need to get in now because every day that you wait is a day that works against you. Every day that you wait is another day that you're being diluted. And inflation is the signal. By the way, one quick thing about inflation, do not trust the government's inflation numbers. I have been calling this financial COVID because in, in hindsight, we look back at all the COVID data that they had, all the science that they use to justify lockdowns and to rush uh, an un- untested, improperly timed and tested vaccine on us. All that science was fake data. It was fake cherry picked data. And we are going through financial COVID right now because the CPI, modern monetary theory, GDP itself through the GDP deflator. It's all cherry picked and fake manipulated data. If you use the same CPI equation that they used in the eighties, and you go in and you plug back in those numbers last year, We had all-time high inflation. You hear a lot of economists say, well, inflation didn't get as bad as it was in the 70s. Well, that's because you're using a different ruler to measure inflation. If you go back and you use the same ruler, you use the same equation, we had all-time high inflation. So how much would the mindset be different today? How much would people be paying more attention if they realized, well, it wasn't as bad as the 70s. Wait a second. It's worse than the 70s. We're at all-time highs. The central bank said it was transitory not to worry about it. And then they said, well, you know, well, well, we're going to do what we can about. It. And now it's the biggest problem in the world. These people, they don't know what they're talking about. If they do know what they're talking about, it's with malicious intent. You cannot trust their information and their data. It's financial COVID. The CPI right now, it's safe to say, if you want to calculate CPI, just double what they're telling you. So if it's at 6.4, 6.5, it's 13%. And, and, and the, the treasury notes are paying 5%. So if you, if you want the real rate of return on your dollars and you're in treasuries and you're getting that 5%, you have to subtract the 13% that you're being diluted, which means you have a 8 return on your equity. Who can survive with a negative 8% return on your equity? You want to buy 8% less of a house next year? You want to buy 8% less goods and services? What about your wages? Another thing, they talk about this wage price spiral. Lie! Wages are the price of labor, just like interest rates are the price of money. Wages are the price of labor. So if we have inflation, would you you expect that wage prices would go up? Why are they not keeping up with inflation? You're being diluted for your time and energy. Only Bitcoin can protect your time and energy. There's nothing else that has been specifically designed to protect your time and energy. Everything is designed to extract value from you. Bitcoin is designed to deliver value to you. The sooner you figure this out, the easier a time you're going to have when we go through this transition. Because what I always say is those of us who lose the least are going to be the best off. because we all have to use the banking system. We all have our automatic payments set up and our direct deposits set up. It's just, the, it's just the way the system works right now. So we're all tied to that system in some way or another. But whatever you have in that system, you, in my, what I do, I consider it lost. It's gone because one day, this isn't going to be like everybody just knows. Oh, hey, you know, oh, the transition is taking place. Uh, You better uh, go to the ATM before you go to Outback. You know, it's like, what? No, it's not going to work that way. One day, everything is going to be fine. And the next day, boom, it's gone. It's locked. You can't touch it. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. You're not pulling out more than $200 from the ATM. And you're not going to get any of your money at all. It's gone. So you might as well account for it being gone now. And you might as well position yourself now, because when this happens, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And if they say they know, they're lying. Nobody knows. But one day, this is going to happen. And it's going to happen in less than 24 hours. And people are going to be tracked. You're not going to have anywhere to go unless you have taken the time to set yourself up in an alternative system. And by the way, the alternative system of Bitcoin and the internet economy, it's alternative right now, but it's not going to be alternative in the future. It will be the number one economy. The internet economy is the only healthy economy in the world. It's the only economy that's growing in the world. And it's the only economy that's going to survive through all of this because men can do nothing but mess it up. But in the internet economy, we can trust the code. We can trust Bitcoin. And then we can trust Bitcoiners like Swan and others who we know are going to offer good services that we can trust with them, hopefully even in a non-custodial fashion. But we need to get prepared now because inflation is the signal. And we are going through inflation right now. The central bank is trying to fight inflation by raising interest rates. I already told you why that's not going to work. It's not going to work. And we are going through the transition because we are at the end of the currency life cycle. Get your shit together, guys, because it's going to go down. And it's going to go down way sooner than people think because it's an element of trust. And look what happened to the medical field. Once, we, once people looked behind and saw what happened with COVID, a lot of people, you know, doc, whatever the doctor said, you used to just do. You go to the doctor, the doctor says something and you say, all right, yeah, that sounds like I, I, I trust him. But look now, people are second guessing like, you know, I don't like my doctor. I want a different doctor. I don't trust this guy. The trust has been diluted in the medical system and rightly so because of what they did with COVID. Well, that's happening right now in the financial system. But the difference is, is that the financial system is dependent on that trust. The collateral debt that backs the entire system is dependent on people believing that the government is going to be able to pay them because there's no credit risk. The government can just print the money and pay you. But the problem is, is when they print the money and pay you, now you don't know what you're going to be able to buy because of inflation. People are losing that trust element. And that trust element lost in finance equals a worthless dollar. And by the way, it equals a worthless shitcoin coin in every other fiat scam that you see. I see a lot of people, I talk to a lot of family offices and hedge funds. They're talking about capital rotation. Well, capital is going to come out of the United States, it's going to go into Dubai, it's going to go into Africa, it's going to go into China and Russia, it's going to go into India. A lot of people are underestimating India because of their population, they're growing. Uh, So that's where we're going to see capital rotations. Wrong. Yeah, you'll see some capital rotation from fiat scam here to fiat scam there. The real capital rotation is out of the fake traditional system that doesn't have free market and that has the price of money determined by a group of men into a true free market that's based on free market principles and it's based on freedom of money. It's based on truth money. And that's the real capital rotation out of fiat traditional economies and into the internet economy and the free market. We need to be paying attention to these things and we need more people in the industry to stand up and talk about these things. Because too many people are, are saying the same things. We need people to, to light the fire, to serve the dishes, let people know. Get your shit together and get it now because it's not about 2030 and about 2040 and about 2100 when the last Bitcoin is mine. It's about the next couple of years. And at any moment from tomorrow or even later today to just a couple years from now, when that trust goes, your access to the traditional system will be shut off. We will see capital flight controls that we've never seen in this country before. By the way, the country has stolen people's gold before. So don't think that the United States is all high and lofty. They have taken, they've taken people's gold and made it illegal. They're gonna do these things again in the future. They're not just gonna sit down and just die willingly. They're gonna fight to the death. So you need to be positioned now. You need to take self-custody now. You need to understand how these things work now. Because at any time in the future, when this catalyst goes, it's too late. It's better to be a couple years early than just one second too late.
1: Let's go. All right, all right. Well, uh, CJ, We're going to continue this conversation on Twitter Spaces, but I got to roll this out because the show will get way too long. But first and foremost, I got to shout out some of our sponsors that we usually do, but I had to let you cook. So first and foremost, guys, go to Kaboom Racks. If you are looking to get into mining, go check out our friends at Kaboom Racks. They got all your services, all your needs that you got uh, on Telegram. I think it's t.me slash Kaboom Racks on Telegram. And then last but not least... I am rocking the Represent merch every single day. Go get yourself some Represent merch. Uh, I know my OPSEC, my OPSEC. But hey, let's get the conversation going. Let's get more people talking about Bitcoin. And the best way to do it is wear the merch. So RepresentLTD.com, promo code simply-BITCOIN. And then without further ado, CJ, where can the people find you? Because they are loving what you are saying. And uh, what are you working on?
2: Awesome. Yeah. So you can just follow me on Twitter at CJ Constantinos. Um, I'm just a minor, guys. I'm I'm no one special here. I'm just someone who dived down to really intimately study Bitcoin. And uh, I'm glad that everybody is finding my viewpoints helpful. And hopefully I'll be able to talk more about this in the future so that people can understand the importance of Bitcoin, not only as digital gold, but as digital collateral and what that means for the holders of Bitcoin and what kind of financial freedom that's going to deliver to us.
1: Let's go. All right. Well, CJ, I'll bring you up on the Twitter spaces. So pop up there and we'll continue the conversation. All right, guys, I know I did a little curveball. I know you guys come for the memes, but sometimes when our guests just get rolling, we can't stop the signal. So tomorrow, come back. I'll add more memes for you guys. And then, of course... If you love what we're doing here, like, subscribe, share the YouTube show. Let's get everyone to figure out what is going on in the world so that they don't get wrecked, so that they don't get holding the bag when the fiat system inevitably explodes. Of course, we are also on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and part of the Valley for Value Economy on Fountain. So. Stream is set. We appreciate everyone that's doing all, all the love that we see. And uh, come back tomorrow. This is Monday's show. We started this week off strong. But also, come join us on Twitter Spaces. This conversation will continue. We'll bring CJ up. And uh, we're just going to let him cook. Guys. So, see you tomorrow. Peace out. Till next time.